It was good this morning, just singing those three songs, just how they kind of, brethren, we meant to worship, worship the Lord, and then, my God, how great Thou art, to be able to lift up His name and worship, and then to be able to say, You're all I need. Uh, to be able to, to be able to say that, to be able to uh, have that as our prayer is, God, you're all I need. You know, so many times we think we need a lot of things, don't we? <laughs> what do you need? Well, I got a list. The truth of the matter is, is Jesus Christ is all we need. If we could just get a hold of that, just get, just recognize it, realize it, <laughs> it would help out, help us out a lot. You know, <laughs> names are important, right? And you've opened your Bible up to Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 1. The Bible says a good name is rather to be chosen than what? Great riches. And loving favor rather than silver and gold. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 1, a good name is better than precious ointment. Picking names, picking names for uh, for parents has always been a ordeal. I, I would assume uh, Rebecca, she would get especially with Shaylin and, and Owen, you know, get the the baby name books, right? Uh, they have baby name books, books that are just names for babies, right? That's amazing to me. As, anyhow, but we were, I remember the one time we were we were in a car the, on our way to Pennsylvania traveling, and Rebecca had the baby name book, and she is literally reading down through the names. And uh, I, I mean, I had to stop her in the A's somewhere. I was like, "Whoa, we just got to pick a couple names and and choose from those because if it was up to me, all our kids would their names would start with A. If it was you know, we had to go through the." the baby name book to figure these out. But it's important. Parents think about this and back and forth and narrow it down to pick that that right name. But recognizing, recognizing people's names, remembering their names and and even their titles. Just this past April, uh, there was in the news a a couple were uh, tourists in, in England and uh, they were out in the streets, and they saw this elder, el- elderly lady out there, and struck up a conversation with her. And they asked her if she she lived in the neighborhood, and uh, she said yes, she had a house there in, in the neighborhood. And then they asked her if, if she'd ever met the queen, and uh, she kindly and gently said, uh, "No, I haven't." But pointing to her companion here, he has. And later they find out that they were talking to Queen Elizabeth herself. And so recognizing who you're talking to and, and seeing who it is is important. But the, this morning we're going to talk about someone even greater than royalty here on earth. Even greater, as much respect as we would have for Queen Elizabeth, even greater than a king here on earth or a queen. We're going to talk about the name that is above every name. The Bible says that every knee should bow and every tongue confess that He is Lord. We're talking about Jesus Christ. When you think of that, every knee should bow. You know, there's a lot of people out there today that say they don't believe in God. But the Bible says, and I believe that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is God one day. You know, there's a lot of people kind of like those tourists talking to the Queen of England, they, they believe that Jesus Christ, you know, He's a big player in history. You know, they give Him that or something like that. But they don't realize that history is His story. It's all about Him. 
And the Word of God is all about Him. So this morning, we're just going to take a little bit of time to glorify and lift up the name of Christ and recognize who He is. These are, this is the first of the three purposes of our church. We, we understand that we keep it simple and that the purpose of our church is, is, is uh, threefold. The first is to glorify and honor Jesus Christ. To lift up His name. To glorify and honor Him. The second is what I say called to be the Great Commission Church, which is a way of saying that we are telling other people the good news of Jesus Christ. Not just here in our community, but trying the best that we can to support those that are doing it uh, around the world. Just heard uh, this past week, uh, Rebecca's dad is in Papua New Guinea, and I had a couple meetings over the last few days, uh, last week or so, and and one there was 23 people came to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's Amen. good news. On the other Amen. side of the world, there was another four or five, and then just recently three. Uh, that's good news. That's good news to see what God's doing. So we want to be a church that's involved in that. That's our second purpose. And the third is to edify the body of Christ, or that's a way of saying uh, build each other up, help each other as we grow and as we uh, try to draw close to the Lord. Uh, we are encouraging each other and helping each other. But this morning, we're just going to take some time and look at hit God's Word and see what He says about His name and who He is. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, is the everlasting God. First off, when we start about, you know, people talk about gods and God, uh, a God, uh, but when you say Jesus Christ... Uh, is God and Jesus Christ is the creator of the universe. We're being specific on who God is. It's not just a God. A lot of folks are comfortable with God, a God. But when we read the scripture, the Bible is clear that Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 1 verse 17, he says, I am the first and the last. Uh, he is everlasting. He is from the beginning into the end. Uh, this is one of the greatest, I guess, and, and probably the hardest for us to just allow to soak in what Jesus Christ said about himself in John chapter 8 and verse 58. He says, I am. I am. Wow. He is the, you know, there's so much power in the name of Jesus Christ. He is the I am. He is the, Isaiah said about uh, prophesying about the coming Christ that he is wonderful. The Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You know, Jesus Christ, He came to earth as a man 2,000 years ago, but He is the Everlasting Father. He is eternal. We understand it's so hard for us to think outside of time, isn't it? But Jesus Christ was before time. He is eternal. <laughs> Revelation 22, verse 13, Jesus Christ is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. When we think of Jesus Christ, He is before. He is before this world was created. He is before all these things. And He will be around as King, and, King of Kings and Lord of Lords after. Right. We're talking about the everlasting God. In Daniel... 
three times Daniel prophesying of the coming uh, Messiah and Jesus Christ, he called him the Ancient of Days. The Ancient of Days. He has no beginning. I find it interesting that in Genesis chapter 1, he starts out, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But then in John chapter 1, in verse 1, he starts, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ was uh, at the beginning, and He was at the beginning of the creation, and uh, by Him all things were created, the Bible says. He's the creator of the world. This is interesting. I, I, I think our Christianity in many ways could be boiled down to a couple things. We've been studying in, uh, in Corinthians on Wednesday, Wednesday nights and talking about the key to our Christianity and the key to our spiritual gifts is charity, is love. But I think the key to our spiritual growth in the, in the sense of knowing God and growing in wisdom and growing in understanding is two things. It's humility that comes from... A fear, of the, a fear of God. I know that that term scares us so much, but coming from the fear of God, uh, that is a reverence and an awe. We sing that song, uh, or we will at the end, about how awesome God is. You know, we throw that word out so much. Awesome, awesome this, awesome that. That, that word uh, could be reserved for God because we are in awe of Him. And when we think of Him as the Creator, it begins to bring understanding of all the other things that can come and follow after. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15 about Jesus Christ, He says that He is the image of the invisible God. One day you and I, those that have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, are going to walk into the throne room of God according to Revelation. We're going to walk in and we're going to look God in His face. And the face that we will be looking at is the face of Jesus Christ Himself. He is the image of the invisible God. That is going to happen someday for a believer. We will see Christ. We will see Him. Our faith, our faith will become sight. He is before all things and Colossians again tells us by Him, all things consist. I, I don't want to be disrespectful or anything like this, but I'm really not concerned about global warming. I'm not concerned about the earth uh, going away. I want to be, God's given us a stewardship of this earth. He's given us stewardship of this earth and we need to take care of it. But God's the one that holds it all together. And it's going to consist until He says it's over. And until He says it's over, it's not going to be over. That's just the bottom line. It's Him that holds it all together. By Him, all things consist. The Bible says that He is God and that He is man. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen. But in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28, the Bible says about Jesus Christ that He is the Son of Man. This is such an amazing thing. This, 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 for our minds to grasp that God, the One who spoke the world into existence, would become man, 
the only begotten of the Father, would become man to come down for one reason and for one reason only, to save us, those that He created. He came so that we could have life and that we could have eternal life, that we could be saved from our sin. He is the Savior because He became man for us. The Bible says that He, Christ, was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. We don't follow the Old Testament law today. We don't follow the law of Moses in the sense of keeping the Sabbath, bringing a sacrifice, keeping all the different uh, uh, laws that were written there in in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and all those places. We don't keep those laws. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the mediator, brought about the New Testament. And the way that He was able to do that is He became a man and He fulfilled the law. In other words... He, he finished the contract and fulfilled it. He, he, he completed it at the cross after living a sinless, perfect life and brought about our salvation by grace through faith alone. Jesus Christ, the mediator. <coughs> he became man so that He could save me. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, for there is one God. That's important. I mean, we say that now, and 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 but but you know, there are billions of people, a billion plus people, at least, that believe that there are pluralities of God. There are many gods. The Bible says there is one God. And the Bible says that there is one mediator, one mediator between God and man. And in First Timothy chapter. 2 verse 5, he says that is the man, Christ Jesus. And Daniel, he prophesied of Christ to come. Jesus Christ was the Messiah. He said that He was the Messiah. I like this one uh, a lot. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, the Bible says, My little children, these things write, on, write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. I am so thankful that I have an advocate. Think think of the shape, think of the position that you and I would be in had not Jesus Christ came to be our advocate. Had He not stepped down uh, from heaven to come down to earth for us, we would be without hope and without God. We would be lost in our sins and most likely we wouldn't even know it. It would be that bad. But we had an advocate who came down and said, Father, I'll be their sacrifice. I will take their place. I will. If they will, I will. And He stepped in between God the holy, righteous God, and He stepped in between them and sinful man and said, I will be their advocate. I will speak on their behalf. I will act on their behalf. And I will pay their sin debt on their behalf. Listen, there is no better deal in this world than that right there. Salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, the advocate. Hmm. John chapter 1 and verse 29. 
when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, Behold, <laughs> the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. That doesn't mean maybe a lot to us about a lamb, but at that time, every Jew in that, in that day knew what a lamb was for, a spotless lamb. That spotless lamb was to take their place as a sacrifice, sacrificial death to take their place. And their, that blood would be shed on the altar and, and temporarily their sin, would, their sin would be taken care of. Their sin would be t- taken care of. And He said when He saw Jesus Christ, that is the Lamb of God, the finally, finally, the eternal Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. I've said it here before, but just as the, the nation of Israel would observe their Passover and they put the blood on the doorposts and the headers and, and, and they had maybe no idea but now we can look down through uh, history and see that as Passover was about to happen after Jesus Christ had been examined by Pilate and everyone and said there is no fault in Him. He, he, he stood outside of Jerusalem on Calvary with His arms spread wide shedding His blood as a as the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. I don't know about you, but the name Lamb of God means something to me as a Christian because it was the Lamb of God that took away my sin. Made it possible to be, for me to be right and righteous with God. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 25, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the shepherd and the bishop of our soul. After accepting Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, I don't have to worry what's going to happen to my soul. He keeps it. He is the shepherd of it, and He is the bishop of it, and He is the keeper of it, and he, <laughs> he, uh, He'll take good care of it. Job said, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that He shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. You know, as believers, we believe that. As believers here this morning, we can say that. Listen, I don't have a God that died and and, and did not rise from the dead. I have a Redeemer that liveth, and one day He will stand on this earth. I believe that He is powerful over death. I believe that He's powerful over sin. My Redeemer liveth. John 4, verse 42, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. Every now and again I get caught up in, in politics and then I kind of get back to center by the Word of God and, and I think that this or that thing would save our country or this or that thing would save the world. And Every now and again I start putting my trust in some political system or some, some economics or some uh, capitalism or anything like that and not that any of those things are wrong. God's used those in our country but the Savior of the world is Jesus Christ if there is any hope for this country, if there is any hope for this country, it is by Jesus Christ. It's in the fear of God and us following after Him and His Word. If there's any hope for this world, it's through Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus Christ alone. I have not put my trust in any other thing but Him. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I mean, he started it. He's going to finish it. I don't, listen, just as I don't trust in a political system, I don't trust in a religion. It's not, it's not a denomination. It's not a religion that has given me my, 
my salvation. It's not that that has given me my faith. It is Jesus Christ and Him alone. He authored it and it's up to Him to finish it. And He will. He's faithful and true. He's the high priest. He's our high priest. This is a big deal when we think of that in, in the sense of uh, the Old Testament is there was a high priest that would mediate between the people and God. Now we have a high priest and we can go to Him as individuals and bring our petitions. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know that's simple? You know that's simple? You say, what's the way to God? Jesus Christ. What's the truth? Jesus Christ and His Word. What's, how do we have life? How do we have eternal life? Jesus Christ. You know, He's precious to us, isn't He? When we start talking about these names and what they mean and what Christ means to us, He becomes real, real precious, real, I mean, real dear, real dear to us. Songs, Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 1, the Bible says, uh, He's the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. John 6.35 says that He's the bread of life. The bread of life. You know, what we, you know what sustains us through this life? Jesus Christ. You know what sustains us? Jesus Christ. And John chapter 4 says He's the living water. Mm. John chapter 10 and verse 9 says that He's the door. He's the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. This word saved, this word salvation, this word being born again, man, it's, 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 the, greatest, it's the greatest thing that could ever happen to us. And it's by Jesus Christ. He's the door. He's the door. He says, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, Jesus Christ is the rock. Isn't it good in this world where things are changing and things, you know, the Word of God is so relevant to today. So many times we get to thinking that uh, mankind has changed and society is changing and so we have to adapt with society. Jesus Christ and His Word's the rock. It's, it's the truth no matter what society does. It's the truth whether it's popular or not. It's the truth whether it's in fashion or out of fashion. It's the, it's the truth whether it's uh, America in 2016 or Greece and, or Rome in and, and the day, ancient days. It doesn't matter. It's still the truth. He's the rock and He doesn't change. He doesn't change and truth doesn't change. Wouldn't that be interesting if truth changed? Truth can't change. It's the truth. It wouldn't be truth if it changed. Truth is truth. He says He's the rock. John 11, 30, uh, 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. We as a group of people that call ourselves Christians, we have a hope in death that others don't have. It's called the resurrection. We believe that we have eternal life. Why? Because of Christ and because of what He's done. John 10, 11, He says that He's the Good Shepherd. In John 8, 12, He says He's the light of the world. You want, you, want to, you want to see what darkness is like? 
Go to a place where Jesus Christ is not accepted. Go to a place where it is not, it's not allowed to have Christ and you'll begin to see darkness set in. In Revelation chapter 22 and verse 16, he says, I am the root and the offspring of David. He said, I am the bright and morning star. He said in Revelation 3.14, He is the faithful and true witness. In Luke 1.78, He says, I am uh, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. You know, when I started looking up what the day spring means, it's the, it's the first appearance of light. Jesus said, uh, light has come into the world, but men love darkness rather than light. The first appearance of light was Jesus Christ Himself. He brought light into the world to whosoever will. And then you know what He said? He said that He'd give us His Spirit to dwell inside of us. And then He told the, told the disciples, now ye are the light of the world because of Christ in us. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, the Bible says that He's Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. There's just a a calm and a peace, no matter how uh, anxious, no matter how crazy the world gets, to think that God is with us. God is with us. And then you have to ask yourself this question. If God is with us, who can be against us? Emmanuel. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. This is good news. I mean, when you just start thinking about the name of Christ, I don't know, it should do something for some of us inside that we have got the best deal in town. <laughs> says that He is Emmanuel, God with us. In John 1.1, He says that He's the Word. He's the Word that became flesh. In Isaiah 53.3, I think this is interesting where Isaiah talks about the Lord Jesus Christ. He said that He's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. When you think of the life of Christ that He lived here as a man, He understood what it was like to experience sorrow. So many times when we have sorrow in our life, we ask why. But we can go to the God of all comfort who knows what we're going through. He is not a God that has not experienced the pain that we experience of death, of loneliness, of hunger, of temptation. He has experienced those things because He was man. He's a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. You think of who is He to us? He's Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy One of God, the Bible says. He is the true vine. As a church, he's the head of the church. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 23 that he is the Savior of the body. For us as, for us as Christians, for us here in the church, it is Jesus Christ is everything to us. If we ever lose that, if we ever miss that as a church, as a body, that Jesus Christ is the head, he's the cornerstone, he's the rock, he's the foundation, he's the door. He is the light. He's the Word. He is everything to us. And truly, as a church, He is all we need. As we sang this morning. He's the chief cornerstone. He's a servant. He said He was a servant in Matthew chapter 12. He served us. 
served his disciples. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 15, the Bible says that he's the bridegroom. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 16 is probably one of my favorite passages about the second coming of Christ. The Bible says about him there that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. One of my favorites, again, I put them together, is he is the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He's the judge. He's the judge. He's the eternal judge. You know, when we think about Jesus Christ, His, me, His name means something to us. If it, was, if it was not for Christ, what would we be? You know, when you think of the name of Christ, He is amazing and awesome. When we think of ourselves, we are nothing without Him. We are nothing without Him. But with Him, we can call ourselves Christians. We can call ourselves Christians, believers, followers of Christ. I... I think it would be, take a little while for this to set in to all of us, but there is no greater title that we could give ourselves than a follower of Christ, a Christian. No greater thing that we could say we were accepted in the Beloved. That's what He said about us. He said that we're saints. Isn't that amazing? I know we don't think of ourselves, we don't think of ourselves as saints, but He does because of His forgiveness. He's said... And He calls us the redeemed. He purchased us with His own blood. The children of God. I like that one. To be called the children of God. He, John calls us little children. The faithful in Christ. The bride. The church. There's so much power in His name. We as His people. If we would turn our focus, if we would turn our focus on Him and who He is and just trust in Him, you know, faith will change our lives, won't it? I mean, faith, just just raw, sheer faith in Christ. You say, I'm facing some things, but God. When we add Him into the equation, what else matters? If He is with us, as I said, who could be against us? In all our circumstances in life, in all our circumstances, turn our focus to Christ. When we have decisions to make, remember... He's the counselor. When we're in trouble, remember He's the deliverer and the strong tower and the rock. When we're discouraged, remember He's the manna and the living water. Let me say this. If you're lost, remember He's the Savior. That He is the kind and loving Savior that would forgive you of all your sin and receive you as His own. For the one that is overcome with sin, remember, He's the Advocate. He can do anything. There's nothing too hard for God. We're going to have a moment of prayer. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I, I would say that the, after naming the names of Christ and seeing His power and seeing His ability to save that this morning that you would bow your head and ask God to forgive you of your sins. To come into your heart, to save your soul, to be your Lord and God. Receive Him as your Savior and your God as we pray. Heavenly Father God, we come before You. and Lord, if there is one that doesn't know You as their Lord and Savior, I pray that this morning 
that they would surrender to Your Gospel, Your death, burial, and resurrection, and accept You into their heart and be saved and begin to live this Christian life that You've laid out for each of us. God, we want to focus this day and the rest of this week on Your name, which is above every name, which has such great power. God, we are thankful to be called Your children. We're thankful to be called uh, in the Beloved. And God, all that You've forgiven us of and all that You've done for us, God, You're everything to us. You're all we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.